welcome to Relentless Servant Podcast, where we break down the ins and outs of my blog and share the stories that lead up to them. Each week, we'll try to go back into the archives and dig through some old ones, and hopefully um, in the weeks ahead, we'll be able to write some new ones and uh, be able to dig into them too. I pray you're ready to join me for this journey and have some fun and hopefully learn some things about Christ. Welcome back to Relentless Urban Podcast. Again, I'm so excited to be with you guys. I'm so excited to pour out my heart behind these blogs with you guys and just get down and dirty with the reality of the stories and the context that make up these blogs that I write for y'all. And so I reached out on social media and I asked, hey, episode two, what do you guys want to hear? And you guys didn't disappoint. You brought up that you wanted to hear more about my blog that was actually called 1-800-273-8255, Jesus and Suicide. And then I tell you what, I mean, you answered my prayer. When I was praying, I was like, let it be impactful, let it be serious, let it be pertinent to what's going on in society today. You all hit home, and I'm so glad you picked this one because 2020, I know we're in 2021, and we all think, you know, new year, new me, right? But the reality is we're still dealing with the past year. We're still dealing with the reality of social injustice, civil unrest, and pandemics just abounding. You know, I mean, we're dealing with isolation, separation, anxiety, depression, all these things of, that come with the heavy hitting, just craziness that we've gotten from the last year. And so when you pick this blog, I was super pumped because the reality is, is unfortunately, isolation, separation, anxiety, depression, social injustice, civil unrest, all these things give us certain emotions and give us certain feelings and have pigeonholed so many people into a mentality that is heart-wrenching and heartbreaking, which is that of suicide. I mean, we've had an increasing, I was just looking at the statistics earlier, it's just suicide has not tracked down. It might have dipped a little bit, but suicide is still on the rise. And I feel like we just don't talk about it enough. And especially as the church, we should be front runners on this issue. We should be heavily hitting this area because we have a book called the Bible, 66 books, including an Old Testament and a New Testament, all sourced around one reality, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, who was God himself made flesh, took our sins to the cross, died and rose again, and conquered it so that when we surrender to him and are born again, we can then experience a born again life here now, and an eternal life of joy and happiness with him in the future. And it's in that midst that we can now grow off of that, that gospel and dive into God's word and bring hope and peace to a world that is so broken. And so I think a great place to start is to um, explain why I even wrote this blog back in 2018 when I was uh, still going through my bachelor's in biblical counseling. I had a, We had a doctor at our animal hospital um, for a little while and we were working one day and all of a sudden she was just in her lounge, broken, weeping, beat down, sobbing. And I'm like, what, what is going on, doc? How can I help? What, you know, is there anything I can do? And all she could say is my friend took his life. And it was in that moment that I realized, oof, I have not done enough study about this. I have not been prepared for this. I, 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 I just was lost for words. I, I was able to 
pray with her. I was able to give her some consolation. I was able to um, just be there for her in the moment. But I realized, oh my word, what a reality that we deal with that is so untouched. And that led for me to do this study. And even back then, this is one of my shorter blogs that I've written. And, and it's still, just for me, it was such a heavy topic to even write about or even talk about. And um, one of the main reasons is, too, is because suicide is so close to home. I mean, I've, growing up as a teenager, I dealt with it so much. Growing up without a father, I mean, I had a wonderful mother who did an amazing job raising two sons. Um, but even just coming from that broken home and, and not having Jesus as my Savior until later on in life, I, I was hopeless. I was broken. I was lost. I, on the outside, was doing so good compared to some people um and then the reality was is i was struggling i was struggling to find purpose i was struggling to find a plan for my life i was struggling to find even a reason to get out of bed and, and it's in those moments when you feel so helpless and lost that you truly contemplate these things you truly go man what is my purpose and that right there that right there is the iceberg the tip of the iceberg for suicidal thoughts and we try to push those away and skirt that away to something else but that's truthfully what it is and not you know taking back the cushions and the fluff that's what it is and it's when we click on those thoughts and we grab on those thoughts that we can dive deeper into actual true suicidal tendencies and thoughts and my hope and prayer is that by being open and honest about that it helps others kind of take the fluff away from that and just be real with other people and be real with themselves for a second and so I think a huge aspect is now to just dive into scripture and give you an example from the Old Testament and the New Testament to show you that God does not shy away from even a topic like suicide. God does not shy away from the reality that man is broken and sinful and in need of something outside of ourselves to bring a peace, a wholeness, a comfort, and a joy. And so we look at even the book of 1 Samuel chapter 31 verses 3 through 5. It says this, it says, And the battle became fierce against Saul. And the archers hit him, and he was severely wounded by the archers. And then Saul said to his armor-bearer, Draw your sword and thrust me through with it. Least these uncircumcised men come and thrust me through and abuse me. But his, but his armor-bearer would not, for he was greatly afraid. Therefore Saul took a sword and fell on it. And when his armor-bearer saw that Saul was dead, he also fell on his sword and died with him. Right here we see that Saul, King Saul, he was supposed to be the king of Israel. God's chosen people, even he was faced with the reality of a battle that he did not see an end to, or a good end to at least, and ended up taking his own life. He even vocalized it. He said, please just kill me because the abuse that I'm about to take is not worth it. And his armor bearer, seeing the reality of his king fall on his own sword, was overcome with such grief and such brokenness that he did the same exact thing. Suicide doesn't just affect us, but it affects those around us. And we see that now in the reality of First uh, Samuel chapter 31. But then we go over to the New Testament, Matthew chapter 27. We see the same reality with someone who is literally walking with Jesus. Whom, if you don't know by now, is the one who brings salvation. All to bring hope, or bring a born-again life. And we see in... Matthew chapter 27, we see Judas, one of the 12 disciples. It says this in chapter th in uh, chapter 27, verse 3, it says, Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful, remorseful 
and brought back the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priest and elder, saying that I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And then said, and they said, What is that to us? You see to it. You deal with it. You you do whatever you want with your remorse and guilt. It's not on us. And then verse five it says, Then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hung himself. And uh, all these verses and, and stuff that I'm reading out of is my study Bible at home, the John MacArthur Study Bible. It's New King James Version. It's, it's a beautiful rendering. It's, I love MacArthur and his insight, and I want to share some of his insight with you. And I love this because he says in chapter 27, verse 3, he highlights the word remorseful. He says, Judas felt the sting of his own guilt, that this was not genuine repentance. There is a godly sorrow that leads to repentance, but Judas's sorrow was that of a different kind as demonstrated in his suicide. We see, as a side note, <laughs> I had this discussion actually when I wrote this blog with someone on Facebook. They they had this idea that Judas was like this super saint and this super disciple who had this secret pact with Jesus and was like, if it wasn't for him, you know, salvation would never come. And if you've listened to our first episode, read any of my blogs, you see that I always talk and preach about God's sovereignty and man's responsibility that, yes, God is sovereign over all, all creation, all thinking, all being, all reality, yet he created man in such a special relationship, in such a special way, that we are still morally responsible. And we see the image of that and the reality of that in the life of Judas. Judas, we see in the Gospels of John and Luke, it says that Satan entered him, that Satan spoke into him, that Satan led him to do so. And what that shows us is that Judas literally walked with God's word made flesh, Jesus Christ. Judas walked with the one that would die for our sins ultimately, whether it was by his doing or someone else's, and yet still chose the love of money, still chose the greed of self-empowerment, and chose that he was going to betray the one that was going against the grain, was going to bring the reality of the Old Testament into fruition, the, the Savior, the Messiah. He chose money and the love of greed over all of that. And he allowed Satan to speak into his life and then Satan to enter him. So no, Judas was not the best disciple or didn't have a secret plan. If it wasn't Judas, it would have been someone else. But yet Judas was the one who did it. And I'll, and this is the beauty of it. We'll break this more down here in the podcast in a second, but to bring it back into the focus of suicide and the reality of sin is Judas wasn't remorseful to the part where he was like, you know what? I understand what I was taught when I was living with and walking with and eating with Jesus and what he was telling us and the reality that he brought. So I need to repent and I need to break down and I need to go seek forgiveness. No, no, no. He said, I can't live with this anymore and I can't deal with this anymore. There is no hope. So I'm just going to kill myself. That's the truth of Judas. Judas had a choice. And Judas was morally responsible for everything he had done and still had moral responsibility. He chose selfishly to take out his own life instead of seeking out the Savior who could give him a new one and forgive him, even if he betrayed him. So to end that controversy, Judas was never saved because if he was, his heart would have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. He would have been 
truly endowed Jesus Christ, he would have been the one following and understanding what the Old Testament was preaching about Jesus, who was now walking with him and eventually would be ascended to the throne. And yet he chose to listen to Satan. He chose the greed. He chose the money. He chose the love of earthly things over Christ. And so he chose suicide over the hard path of forgiveness and repentance and all those things. And so, again, just to bring you back to a hole we see in the Old Testament with King Saul, he, he was in a fierce battle and he was wounded and he said, the abuse that I'm about to get from my captives is way worse than death, so give me death. And in his death, his three sons also died and so did his armor bearer. And then we see in the New Testament, Judas, who betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ, gave up his own life too on a tree. And so the word does not hinder or hide or blanket man's brokenness, man's sinfulness, or man's suicidal tendencies to the point where we try to sugarcoat anything. And that's what I love about the word of God. The word of God does not try to make man look good. (laughs) If this truly was a man-made religion, if following Jesus Christ and, and surrendering our lives to him was truthfully a man beneficial religion on the front side, we wouldn't show how broken we were. We wouldn't we wouldn't have the stories of men like King Saul or, or Judas Iscariot. But we do because the reality is is God words makes makes God look good and makes man look broken. It makes Jesus look so beautiful. And so you say, Mitch, where where in the world how do how did these men get to this point? How do men and women in our day and age come to this reality? What are we supposed to do with it? I mean, I was always told that, you know, suicidal tendencies were just, if you're a Christian, it's a lack of faith. And if you're not a Christian, it's a lack of understanding. And, you know, all these things, we just kind of brush it under the rug. And this is where I want to bring in that other uh, blog I wrote called Sins versus uh, Sins and Skins, which was actually looking at it now, looking at the date, it was actually two weeks before I wrote the blog on suicide. I wrote this blog called Sins and Skins. And it was all about mental illness. And I love what I have highlighted. I have it in bold and it says this. It says mental illness and developmental disorders are as real as the people who have them and as original as the sin that caused them. And man, like I love being able to look back and see the growth that I've had, but also to see the glimpses that God has given me of the of the foundation that he's already been laying at me since years ago. And the truth is, is I even said it in here, I said, do not go shutting this down or getting defensive about the original sin part. I'm going to explain what I mean. And I think I look back at that too, is like one of the biggest things I advocate against is, you know, generational sin or generational curses or generational, you know, yada, yada, yada. Just because Aunt Betty, you know, killed five people doesn't mean that I have a a broken hand and and a cursed life because of her sin. Each one of us is responsible for ourselves, yet Adam and Eve as the flagship and the headship of humanity in the garden, they are the ones who then in Genesis 3 failed. They took pride over just submission to God's plan and decided to try to do things on our own. And that's what I explain in this blog. And I love it so much. I write that, you know, to understand this, we must understand that sin has two sides, spiritual and organic slash natural. You know, we read 
what do I put in here? Um, we read in Genesis 3, verses 23 and 24, that we are separated from God in His presence eternally. We were told, look, the whole garden is yours. Eat from every tree except for this one. I want, God tells Adam and Eve, like, I want to walk with you to this. I want to, I want to walk with you through this. I want to process this experience, and I want, to, I want to grow the garden with you, and I want you to name the animals and subdue the earth and multiply. Just do not eat of this tree because I have a plan for it, and I have a plan for you. And then Satan enters the garden, and he says, Hey, did God truly say the original sin and the original temptation are something we still deal with today? Did God really say, is the 66 books of the Bible, is that truly the Bible or is it incomplete? Or do we take things out? Or did we let certain councils write the Bible for us? No. The Bible was complete by the time the apostles were done living pretty much. We see that in scripture. We see how they quote each other. We see how the Holy Spirit interacts with each other. But so often society is tainted by Satan's trap of saying, did God really say? And we see that here back in Genesis 3. And then we see in verses 23 through 24 that because we fell for that reality and we said, you know what? It would be pretty neat to be just like God, to have that thinking, to have that mentality, to have that power, to have that being on our terms. And we see that we were separated from his presence eternally. Our eternity was meant for the Garden of Eden and to be with the Lord but now it was guarded and it was kept from us because we disobeyed. That was a spiritual consequence. Our souls, our eternal being was separated from God in that moment. But then we also see in verses 14 through 22, physically we were punished as well. There was gonna, we, we were given examples of like pain and childbirth, disobedience to each other mentally between man and woman, that we would have to work for life, but it would suck. We would have to work for the nutrition instead of just being able to walk freely in the garden and have nutrition. That there would be physical death. Our once perfect state of being has now failed us. That means that material decay of cells, bones, skins, chemicals, whatever our bodies are made up of was flawed and dying. That's the physical consequence of sin. And if, if we could only understand that aspect alone, it would help us understand all other things that were sinful and flawed of this world. Why does it seem like some years are hotter than others or that this world is getting hotter and hotter? Why does it seem that people are dying more and more? Why are these diseases popping up? Why are people more mean to each other? Why is evil flourishing? When all we supposedly try to do is become better as humanity is because people are sinful and greedy and our bodies are broken. The question becomes, how do we witness and evangelize to people who have an understanding of sin's consequences, but not the understanding of what sin is? And I think it's when we take Genesis 3 and we no longer just say like, you know, this is sin and this is not, and you're doing this, so you're going to hell. When we take them and we bring it back to a foundation of saying, this is sin, this is the consequence of it, and this is what we now live in as humanity separated from Jesus. When we bring people to that foundation, we build a room for conversation instead of arguments. And I always tell people, I will love, I love to discuss 
until it becomes an argument. Because with discussing, you're still able to listen to each other and hear each other. When you start arguing, you don't hear each other. You just start yelling and saying stuff. No one's listening to each other. You're just trying to yell to be louder or to be more hurtful at that point. And it's beautiful because, I mean, again, this was one of my shorter blogs. But even within it, I just love... Like, God spoke such beauty with it. And, and even for me, he showed me that not only did sin affect us spiritually, and it didn't affect where our soul would go eternally, but it affected where our life was going here and now and what our life was doing here and now. It explained evil in the world. It explained cancer. It explained disorders. It explained allergies. It explained all these things. And again, like I said, generational sins, generational curses, that has nothing to do with it. It is simply the fact that physically our bodies are broken physically this world is broken and physically this earth will go away one day we read it in genesis 20 and 21 when a new heaven and new earth come and the old shall pass away we see that jesus christ is going to redeem both humanity and creation and that's the beauty of it and going back to the whole reality of suicide i think it's it'll be it could it again begins with the fact that we need the gospel. And I say that in this because I, I reread one of the verses and passages I shared. And it says this. It's in John chapter 5 verse 24. It says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who has sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Without Christ, we are dead. Physically, we might be walking around, we might be doing our jobs, we might be having marriages or kids or friendships or adventures and all these things, but truthfully, we are just dead. We are, we are dead people walking around living a temporal life. But it is when we understand who Jesus Christ is and what he has come to fix, which is our sin nature, that it is from that moment when we surrender to him as Savior and King that we pass from death to life. And it's, it's, I've tried recording this episode so many times and I, one of the hardest things for me to vocalize, I think more so on a podcast than even in a sermon is there is a hard line and I have learned to love that hard line. I've learned to fall in love with drawing the line in the sand to say that yes, being a Christian I stand for things completely against society in this world today. Why? Because this world is broken, this world is sinful, and this world loves living in darkness. And that is why, that's why suicide and sin flourish under the radar even today in 2021. That is why we still have people killing themselves more so now than ever because this world is so dark and jesus christ says i am the light and john 1 5 says the light has shown into the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it meaning jesus cannot be defeated by this world or the sin and satan who runs it ephesians 2 2 the prince of the air this world is controlled by satan right now and one day it will be done away with and jesus will bring back order and rule and the truth is is we have to be able to communicate and talk with people about the gospel instead of throwing it at them and hitting them with it and taking scripture and just beating with them this the gospel we have to sit down and have conversations 
the reality of what I even read with you guys of the Old Testament and the New Testament is the fact that we are broken. But the sad part is, is so many people love living in the brokenness. We think that our sin is comfortable. We think our pride is beautiful. We think we almost have a humility in our sin. And it's a false humility that Satan wants us to live off of. That this is all we have. It's this side of the world and then we're done. And what Jesus and the word of God are saying is that's this is temporal. There is an eternity and you're either going to spend it here in heaven in the midst of me and the triune God or in hell with Satan. And we are faced with that reality. I mean, we see it right here. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word, the closed word of God, these 66 books of the Bible, and believes him who has sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment has passed from death to life, meaning we are currently dead in our sins. We are more prone to suicide than ever before. We are more prone to sinning more than ever before. Why? Because the longer we experience this life and we live in this life, the more comfortable we get, the more subdued we get into thinking that this is all we have. And Jesus is sitting here in the Gospel of John saying, this is not all you have and this is not all there is. And I bring truth, love, hope, and peace and joy. I bring something that suicide says it can bring, but I actually mean it. Suicide says temporarily, I bring peace, I bring comfort, I bring an end to the suffering. In reality, what it does is all it does is end your life shortly. When we suffer with suicide, we suffer with depression, we suffer with loneliness, we suffer with loss and, and scaredness and, and a hope that just can't be fulfilled. And we think that we are the only ones struggling with it. And I love this right here. I love what Psalms 34 verses 17 through 19 says. It says, when the righteous cry out for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Here's the beauty of everything I've just said to you. When we surrender to Jesus Christ, and when we realize that our sin nature and this world and what it has to offer sucks and is only temporal and is against everything that what God has taught us to be, and we surrender to Jesus Christ, we go from unrighteousness to righteousness. We realize that because of Adam and because of the fall in Genesis 3, we are broken, we are cursed, and we are living in a lie. We are living a world that teaches us this is all you need this is all you want everything that you desire should be yours and you know your truth is your truth you just go with it it's subjective you just have fun and love it and what jesus came and said to us is no what god promised in genesis three fifteen is now fulfilled in me and the cross and now i have ascended and one day i will bring a new heaven and a new earth and what I say is true and what I say is pure and what I say you should live by is completely, completely controversy and controversial in this world. And it's completely opposite of what you've been taught for so long and what you feel like with your sin. And it's when we surrender to what Jesus Christ tells us in the word of God, when we surrender to him as Savior, 
We no longer want what the sin wants. We no longer want what the flesh wants. We no longer think that we are hopeless. We no longer think that we are lonely. We no longer think that there is no peace. Because we've been moved from unrighteous to righteous. And here's a hard line that says, When the righteous cry out for help, the Lord hears. When we go from death to life, like John chapter 5 says to us, we no longer have to cry out aimlessly in hope of the world hearing us or some person who's just as flawed as we are bringing us hope or peace that is just wrapped up in what the world has to offer. We now have a God, the one who created the universe, who sent us his son to die on the cross. We have that God hear us and then deliver us from those troubles and those worries. And the beauty in that is we might still struggle with suicidal thoughts. We might still struggle with depression and hopelessness and brokenness. But when we are saved, we can take all of that and stop boiling it up in our chest and let it go on God who promises to give us comfort, who promises to hear us, who promises to take it and run with it and just give us and replace it with a hope that's only found in Jesus Christ. And I love that so much because if we as the church could understand that the gospel is the game changer, we would be so much more eager to share it because the gospel, yes, is what gives us new life, but it also gives us a game plan to disciple people and help them find hope, to find purpose, to find peace on a daily basis when they're still faced with their sin nature this side of eternity. It's not just, here you are, you're born again, go for it. Jesus in Matthew 28 calls us to make disciples that those same people that we give the gospel to, we now equip with and empower with this word of God that we have and say, learn it, study it, breathe it in, Soak in it, lavish in it, study in it, because what it's going to do is when you feel depressed, when you feel unloved, when you feel lost, it will redirect you to the one who died for you. It will redirect you to Jesus Christ, who came to take all that away and put it on the cross for you. And then we feel worthy, we feel whole, we feel hope, we feel peace, and we feel purpose. And what that shows, especially for me, what that showed for me was as a God who is personal and intimate. And when we have Jesus Christ, we have a direct ear to that God. You know, and I think a huge thing is, is we need to stop shaming people who speak suicidal things and start sharing with them. Because the more we shame people like that, the more we push them away, the more we share with people like that, the more we show them that they're not too far off. And I, and I think a good way to wrap up this podcast, to wrap up kind of where we're at, is to shine light on the reality that for too long, people have believed this lie that suicide was the unforgivable sin. Or that suicidal thoughts are just unforgivable and, and all these things. Let me read you out of uh, J.I. Packer's book. It's called Concise Theology. And I, and I pray that this is just an sh- unendless plug for 
his theology in this book specifically called Concise Theology, and it's on the unpardonable sin. And it's Mark chapter 3, verses 28 through 29. It says, it says, Truly I say to you, all sin will be forgiven for the children of man. And whatever blasphemy they utter, but whoever blasphemies against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. Again, that's Mark chapter 3, verse 28 through 29. This is an excerpt of what he says in this short kind of breakdown of it. And he says this, Jesus evidently perceived that in the calling... In calling him Satan's servant, the Pharisees were doing exactly this, exactly what Mark chapter 3 says. They were not ignorant. They were strifling conviction and smothering real, if unwelcome, knowledge. They were resolutely shutting their eyes to the light and callousing their conscience by calling it darkness. They, the madness that Jesus exposed in what they were saying in Matthew chapter 12 verses 25 through 28 was an index of the pressure of conviction that they were feeling. Irrational reasoning is a regular sign of conviction being resisted. And I love this. There's absolutely nothing in this passage, nothing in those verses that we read, and nothing in what J.I. Packer breaks down that talks about suicide. Or the thoughts of taking your own life. Or the thought that that's all there is. And so why not do it? What he's talking about and what God's word is telling us is that the unforgivable sin are those who have gone so callous to the gospel that they have chosen wholeheartedly and eternally the path of sin and Satan. We see over and over again, and I love this because I will tell you guys this through and through. The Bible, the 66 books of the Old and the New Testament brought together into one closed book called the Bible. In this holy scripture, we find that God is absolutely sovereign and man is 100% morally responsible. There's nowhere in this book that you can turn that won't teach you otherwise. And it's a tension that you have to deal with. It's something we talked about in the last podcast. If you want to learn more about that and kind of break that down more. But why I bring that up is because the only unforgivable sin is you blatantly hearing, grasping, and understanding the gospel and turning away from it to the point where God says, he says it all through the New Testament and he displays it all in the Old Testament, that if you constantly choose sin and if you constantly choose not him, he will not force you into a relationship with him. He won't force you into eternity in heaven. He will allow you to be overturned to your desires. And that's exactly what these Pharisees were doing. They were wanting to manipulate religion. They were wanting to man-make salvation. And what they were doing is blatantly denying the Holy Spirit and its reality. They literally called Jesus, the, the Son of God, the Savior in flesh, a servant of the devil. They weren't like, oh, it's just life so hard. We're going to kill ourselves. And Jesus was like, mm, that's unforgivable. They were literally like, no, no, no. We don't want what you have to offer. We don't like what you're doing. We don't agree with the fact that you say that you are of the Father. And so you need to die. And it was that mentality. It was the fact that they rejected what they studied of the Old Testament, they knew the, the Old Testament front and back, just like the Apostle Paul did before he came to know Christ. And yet they denied the reality of that scripture that was literally walking, breathing, and talking right in front of them. That's the truth of it. The unforgivable sin is not suicide. 
And so I pray that if you've ever struggled with the thoughts, I pray that if you've ever dealt with the thoughts or, or even attempted suicide, that you think you're too far gone. I pray that you hear the gospel in the podcast that I'm giving. I pray that you go to scripture and you read the references that I give in my blogs that I write and you are met with the one true savior who can change your mind and change your mentality and bring you to a different reality, which is the truth of scripture. And that truth is this, that truth is a yes. Sin and its ultimate consequence are physical and spiritual death. Without Christ, you are on that one track, no matter how comfortable you think you are or how good you are. And that only Jesus who died on the cross and paid for our sins, and when you surrender to him alone, can give you new life and make you born again via the Holy Spirit. That is the only means to true hope, to true peace, and to true salvation. And it's when you understand and you've met with that reality and you've surrendered to it, you have hope in the day-to-day. You have a light at the end of the tunnel that is different than suicide when you have those dark thoughts. And then you say, Mitch, let's wrap this up. Let's bring it to a close. And we talk about the reality of people who generally showed fruit of being saved. Generally, we knew were Christians and yet they committed suicide. Have they not written their own ticket then? Or what about that crazy, weird mentality of these cults that have flourished from this mentality and and have done suicide packs to just go to heaven and be with God. Well, for those crazy cults and those people who try to twist scripture like Satan did in Genesis 3, suicide is nowhere um, commended in here. It is nowhere told you to you know end your life and be with me. Um, actually, we're told in the Gospels, take up your cross daily, meaning that there is a life to be lived until you get to eternity uh, for Jesus and to do his work, which is in, given to us in Matthew chapter 28, which says, go out and make disciples to give the gospel and, and disciple people in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so um, that debunks that right there is suicide is not the end goal of Christianity. Um, killing yourself is not a great idea. It doesn't get you in any more good terms with God or any closer to Jesus sooner. Um, it's, it's just a sad reality that people come to when they're in sin and, and broken. Um, but unfortunately the side of eternity, we as Christians still struggle with sin. And when we are not always in the word and when we're not always surrounded by other believers, we can get lost in sin and we can somehow lose sight of the gospel and that hope. And it doesn't mean we lost our salvation. We just lost our way and, and unfortunately, some brothers and sisters have taken their lives. We will still see them in heaven one day. And why do I have confidence in saying that? Is even in their sinfulness, they were still saved. Um, and, I, and I get this reality from Romans chapter 8, verses 37 through 39 that says this. It says, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor angels... Uh, nor present things to come, nor heights, nor depth, nor other created things shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love Paul and how God used him. A man who literally persecuted and was killing Christians until he was smacked in the face with the reality of Jesus Christ. He then goes on to write, no governmental powers, no suicidal thoughts, 
no lesser spiritual beings as angels and demons or Satan can separate us from the love of God. And, he, and I love how he ends verse 39 in the midst of it. He says, nor any other created thing. We know that the triune God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the triune God is the only ultimate eternal being. Everything else is created, is lesser than. And he's saying in that created reality, there is absolutely nothing outside of God himself who can separate us from Jesus Christ as our Savior. So even if we succumb to the darkness of suicide and take our lives, but we have surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ, even in the darkness of that moment, and we end up doing it, that does not mean that we go to hell, does not mean that we lose our salvation, does not mean the family member who did such a thing, even though they were genuinely showing fruits of being a Christian, doesn't mean they go to hell. doesn't mean that we lose hope and give up on our own faith. It just brings us closer to the reality that sin is ever-present, ever-evil, and ever-punishable, and ever-effective to the believer and the unbeliever. But we as Christians have a tool and a Savior in Christ Jesus and the Word of God that help us not get to that point. And to know that there are Christians who have reached that point should motivate us who are hearing this podcast today and who are able to still pull out our Bibles and read it, to share the truth of Jesus Christ more and more. To share the gospel every chance we get. To disciple people more than just saying, Jesus loves you and walking away. To sharing with them the reality that God's word has absolute truth in it, that we can live in society with and make a difference, that we can bring hope and make a change. It's crazy to think that suicide is the unspoken detriment of what 2020 truly did. I think that we have not made enough of a point to talk about suicide and all that has gone on. And I pray that even if just one person listens to this podcast and if one person shares this number with someone who's struggling, I pray that the gospel is not far behind. I pray that the gospel is the foundation. For too long, this world is getting darker and darker and darker and the church seems to be getting wrapped up in it. And I want the light of the gospel to become the light that is shining brightly again. I know that ultimately one day Jesus is coming back and those who believe in him will be with them for eternity, but we are told to share the gospel. We are told to share the hope. We are told to share the good news of Jesus Christ, which is found in this closed canon Bible of 66 books that is translated now from the Greek and the Hebrew into English and shines the light of a Savior who was predicted in the Old Testament and realized in the New Historically, it's accurate. Historically and scientifically, it's been proven. And spiritually, it is the only thing that has brought into true hope. So I pray with you guys that as you followed me through this podcast, that you, if you have questions, you reach out to me or someone you know or a pastor that's near you or go to a church that you think has, has a pastor that can give you some help and you reach out, that you don't, become like the Pharisees who created their own religion out of scripture that was never meant to be there, that you don't 
shun away Jesus Christ to try to find hope and salvation when he truly is it just because it's something that's uncomfortable other than your sin and your pride and your selfishness. I pray that you don't commit the unforgivable sin of the growing callous to the gospel. I pray that you listen, you seek, and you reach out to those around you and pray that you can surrender fully to Jesus Christ, who is the only one that can make you born again. It is not a works-based faith. It is not a works action. It is a surrender. It is a letting go of. It is a dropping down in fetal position. It is an understanding that you can't do this on your own, and only Christ can. That you would let go of the comfortability of your sin nature and of your pride and your selfishness, and relinquish it all at the cross understanding that only he can make you born again only he can do the good work only he can walk you in it and only he can give you the hope and that he is jesus christ the one who came and died on the cross to make a way so that the story that was in genesis 3 didn't have to be the ending but the reality in revelations 20 and 21 could be the fulfillment that you get to be a part of because you surrendered your life to jesus christ I hope you guys have an awesome rest of your time. I, I, I hope and pray that if this has made an impact on you, that you reach out, that you share, that you follow, and that you study your, for yourself, that you dive into different theologians, and that you dive into different pastors, and you just grow your own knowledge of Scripture to where you fall to the knees and say that this Bible is truly God's Word, and that Jesus Christ is truly found in those pages, and that He is the only Savior that we could possibly have in need.